Well, we want to welcome you to the Reformed Informants. This is a podcast devoted to biblical exposition, systematic theology, and practical application for the good of the church. I'm Lance Burroughs. And I'm TJ Darty. And we are the Reformed Informants. Man, this is the last episode of 2020. Can you believe it, man? And what a uh, what a year it's been for everybody else. But I mean, this podcast has undergone a lot of changes too, right? Like I moved moved from Texas up to Kentucky. We went all virtual. We've been uh, making all these adjustments, and we've had some special guests on. We've had had a huge Christology series. We've had all kinds of stuff happen. So uh, it's yeah, been a good you can't year. remember your microphone, you know? Hey, listen, things are things are different tonight. No mic for me. <laughs> uh, but I, I, this is the first episode since I moved that I've recorded, not in my office. So I'm outside my safe space, I'm at home. Uh, so it's a little, a little different tonight, but that's that's all right. There's there's yeah. grace in this. Yeah, man, we're, we're, we're praying for you. So, um, yeah, we you know, we've we've taken a, a pretty big break. We, we've been off for about two months. Just the other week, we recorded an episode with Samuel Say on abortion. And then we're gonna record one more standalone episode right now. And just to give our listeners uh, a little insight to where we're going, this will be the last episode for 2020, as I already said. Come 2021, January through March, we're going to try and record probably an eight to 10 part series on pneumatology. So we're going to start working our way through the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to take a break around March 30th because that's when my second baby boy is going to be born. So we'll need a few months off that. That way I don't literally die from exhaustion. And uh, man, then we're going to pick right back up sometime towards the end of April. So I'm excited about those things. Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know if I don't know if the podcast can survive us having babies at this rate, man. We got we got we got to at least have some some prolonged periods where we don't have to take a, a pregnancy or or a birth pause, you know. So just yep, yep. <laughs> Well, I'm going to introduce the episode. TJ, I'm going to swing it back to you, introduce our guests, and we're going to get rolling. Today's episode is episode 57, and we've titled this Wokeism, America's New Religion Part 2, and we're going to talk about corporate guilt. Now, some of you guys may recognize that title because we've done a previous episode on similar issues and similar topics. So TJ, why don't you get us rolling there? Yeah, man, we uh, we're pumped to have uh, Chris K. Dub Williams back with us. Uh, we recorded uh, part one uh, back in August, and I don't know that we necessarily had a, a sequential plan in mind back in August, but the conversation was so edifying and so encouraging, and um, and we we were just fired up about it. And um, and K. Dub agreed that he would come back and do it again, so we had to take him up on that offer. And so uh, we actually had a a listener who. Uh, ask that we do this. And so we've, we've invited K-Dub to come back and to speak uh, a little bit more into this, have, have a little bit further conversation. So, I mean, we're so excited. Thank you for coming back with us. And uh, we're, uh, we're pumped to have you, man. Hey, brothers, what a, what a blessing it is. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to the conversation we, we're going to have tonight, man. Last time was a blessing for me. I was just I was, I was edified, man. Uh, this conversation needs to be had it had and, Hey, may may your listeners be encouraged and 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 press on in the faith due to um, the words we speak tonight, man. Thank you, man. Amen. Amen. Hey, before before we jump in, let me just remind folks, uh, Kate, can you tell our listeners where can they get your stuff? So we anytime we bring guests on, we want to encourage folks 
These are guys that we endorse. Uh, guys, we're, we don't just let anybody hop on the podcast. These are guys that we really uh, stand beside and, and walk alongside of the faith. And so we want folks to go and to check out your content. And your content, man, it's 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 getting better and better and better. It's all so much good stuff. So where can they find you? Man, you can find me on uh, Twitter. That's where I'm probably the most active. Uh, Twitter.com slash KDubTrue, K-D-U-B-T-R-U. Um, and I also put out um, video material uh, on various subjects. Uh, just really all things theology, you know, that'll help um, grow the Christian. at So on YouTube.com slash K-D-U-B-T-R-U as well. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, as we get rolling this episode, K-Dub, a couple things that we want to make sure that we do. We want to lay a foundation. We want to make sure we're all um, playing uh, on, on the same level um, in terms of definitions, what we're talking about. So this is essentially part two of our wokeism series. So if you could just broadly overview what wokeism is um, in our current context, then, we'll, then we're going to roll from there. Yeah. So wokeism, man, it's uh, I know I talked about this last time. It's It's very hard to really define it particularly because I think it has a lot to do um, it has a lot of components but generally um, wokeism woke theology has to do with the subject of recognizing um, oppression or injustices primarily to uh, blacks in America and so oftentimes when you see you hear someone saying hey uh, they're woke what they're saying is they recognize that America has not been fair to black people in generally um, uh, or even even today, um, that there are so many injustices surrounding um, black people, um, and, that, and that, like I said, that gets into a lot of lot of issues, um, you know, disparities and um, things like how police treat blacks, you know, and and so uh, that's generally what they mean. And so, um, yeah, that that's just to keep it simplified. That that that's what generally what people would say. Uh, woke theology means. I mean, that's that's a good, uh, concise as concise as we could be, right? Uh, definition because right. we spent we spent a long time talking about. It. So <laughs> if at this point, this is you haven't listened to the first episode, that'd be a great time to just hit pause, bounce back, and, and kind of catch up because we want to build on what you just said, uh, which we expanded upon in that previous episode. So in that episode where we kind of hashed uh, hashed out and discussed all of those. Uh, nuances, I guess, that, that you referenced there. Uh, I mentioned there was a there was an individual who is a faithful listener to the podcast who, who sent us an email, and he said, listening to this podcast, he said uh, it, it really struck a chord with him because he said he's been engaging with important uh, questions regarding ethnicity, justice, the gospel, this whole woke conversation, and, and so he he specifically. Uh, coming from a local church context, uh, asked a question. He said, I've, I've seen, here's his, his email. He says, in my experience, I've seen some churches use certain biblical passages to justify teaching that sin is committed both individually and corporately, and that taking responsibility, confessing, and, profess, and uh, repenting corporate sin is exemplified and therefore commanded in Scripture. And so that's kind of what's prompted this conversation and to kind of give us, again, a little bit of a playing field, let's start with, again, some, some basic concepts. What, what would you, how would you help us to define and think through corporate sin, uh, corporate guilt? Uh, what is that concept when people use those terms? So the idea of corporate guilt and sin, are they, they are biblical concepts, right? And so the, the nation of Israel corporately at one time was 
guilty of idolatry. Not that every single person was uh, committing this sin, but it was rampant. Um, the majority was guilty of committing this sin, and so therefore God uh, punished the na- He would punish the nation with 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 what's called covenantal curses. Mm. Um, and so you so you have that idea being um, throughout Scripture. It's it's not a foreign concept. But what I do, what I believe that uh, maybe I, I, I hopefully you don't mind me just jumping right into the critique already, <laughs> right? No. So. So what I believe that like what woke, cross, woke Christians do, they they hijack a lot of biblical concepts and twist them. So, right, we, we're talking about the idea of corporate sin and guilt. Those are true. But when we examine the biblical text, what we see, it was guilt for the whole nation. So, But what they want to do. Oh, so hold on. It, it was guilt for the whole nation, including the, the stranger, the, the foreigner in the nation of Israel who had who would join themselves with Israel. But what they want to do is only make it to a certain ethnic group of people, right? Only, quote unquote, uh, white people, right? Um, But if the nation is guilty of this sin, then we should see it actually being the guilt being distributed to all of all the people in the land or, or, or the people committing this sin. So if woke theology was consistent... They have to include the POC, right, i.e. the stranger, <laughs> into their framework of having the guilt of racism, which they won't allow for, um, which would corrupt their whole system. Um, you know, so if if because because like I said, the, they, they're, they, they want to hold strong on this idea of corporate guilt to to demonstrate why um, white guilt is is biblical and why even though you haven't c- com- committed this sin, um, you can be guilty of it. Secondly, we actually see we actually don't see that latter half of white guilt being biblical. We don't see right uh, Israel being guilty of this corporate sin three hundred years later from when it was being committed uh, majorly in the uh, in that generation. So it's not as if um, you know idolatry is being committed and then. 300 years later, when there's peace and, you know, the the, the nation is being restored, God's saying, well, now nah, you're still guilty because 300 years ago, your people still did it. Um, that's not how corporate guilt works in the Bible. Um, so and that's not to say that they can't be. Um, um, what do you call it? Uh, effects of sin that go to generations. We see that in the Bible. Right. Uh, federal headship is is clearly a biblical concept, but. And so that's what I'm saying. They 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 mix these two concepts together, and and um, I believe make make man real confusion in the text. You know, real confusion. And so that 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 would be my first critique right there. Okay, so let let me let me just ask a clarifier because what you said there was so important. Uh, so the concept of corporate guilt, corporate sin, is present in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, but. But you're saying that corporate guilt, corporate sin, from a biblical perspective, is all inclusive. Like it's like the nation of mm-hmm. Israel. It's the nation of of Egypt. It's the the city of Sodom, right? It's it's mm-hmm. it's corporate. It's total. Uh, whereas in our context, we're seeing a corporate uh, a, a corporate identification that is distinguished uh, from within a country. So you have those who have white skin are guilty. Right. Uh, whereas others are not, even though the Bible speaks in different categories of that. Is that, is that, oh. am I accurately saying that? Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, and, and if you guys don't mind, I'd like to read a, a, a text to, to demonstrate um, my point. Uh, do, so Deuteronomy 28 is the famous chapter of the covenantal curses. God gives uh, blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And in uh, Deuteronomy 29, we see it. Uh, Deuteronomy 29 uh, verses 9 through 13, we actually see this point that I'm talking about. It says, therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all the land. So this is what God is telling the covenantal people to do. Uh, verse 10, it says, you are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God. And it's as if that wasn't enough to say all of you, he goes on to define what the all of you is, right? The heads of your tribes, your elders, your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives. Guess who else? The sojourner who is in your camp. <laughs> wow. So wait, it isn't just this, uh, this uh, you know, corporate guilt just involves just one people group, but actually all those who are covenantally uh, tied to the promise, uh, which, which he goes about in verse 13. And so this is why I actually think that if woke Christians are saying, this is, this is the danger of, of uh, corporate guilt in woke theology, is that racism only involves one people group um, because they, they, they redefined what racism really is, you know, power and privilege. So if you don't have power, you don't have privilege, well, obviously you can't be a racist, um, which I think that is just silly. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about redefining terms, redefining biblical concepts. In the Bible, to be a racist means to, to hate a, a, another in the Imago Dei, right? A, a creature mm -hmm. of God um, created in his image. We don't see this concept of power and privilege being added on as a, as a, as a form of racism. Um, sure, I, I, I will admit that racism is more destructive when you have power and privilege, but that could be said about any sin. You know, <laughs> when a rich man steals from a poor man, it's more destructive, but it, it doesn't make it less sinful. You know, it might have greater effects, but but so, but to redefine thievery to say, well, it's not thievery if you don't have power and privilege would be uh, ridiculous when it comes to the scripture. And so, um, yeah, I just man, I just can't, you know, you see texts like this and you see, man, the corporate guilt was actually involving a multitude of people, not just one ethnic people. Uh, those who are and 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 then that kind of gets into another another issue. America is not a covenant, a covenantal people uh, of of God like the nation of Israel. It's not a theocracy. So okay, hold hold on to that. <laughs> hold on to that. I want to come back to that. All right, right. Hold hold that fire. All right, right. Lance, Lance, I know you got something you were about to say. No, that's good. I, I mean, I appreciate you laying out. Um, and defining those terms and then, right. you know, taking us back to Deuteronomy 29, um, again, keeping us rooted in scripture to be able to talk about these issues. This is this is how you address the culture from a biblical worldview, just like you did, Kato. I appreciate yeah. you doing that. Um, so kind of the, the second part to this question and defining terms, could, could you describe and give us you know, tangible examples of how we see this in 2020 America, um, how we see this played out. Uh, you speaking as far as like the, the white guilt? Yeah, as, as far as white guilt and those things that have really been prevalent, you know, and slowly building steam the last couple of years, but really if, you know, kind of erupted the last. I think, 
Yeah, man. I, I think one of the most explicit examples of this, I'm, I'm not sure if we talked about this last time, but one of the most ex explicit examples of white guilt and why I actually think it's it's, it's destructive for the church. Uh, I think it was during, man, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think it was during the MLK 50 conference. I, I think when Matt Chandler. Yes. Right. I, well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and give names, man. I, I hope y'all go, <laughs> go ahead. Right. He's he's speaking to the people, right? And he's saying, he's speaking in a pastoral context that he would rather a a black six, right, in the pastoral office than a white seven. Now, like a, on a scale of one to ten, right? Like yeah, based on yeah. yeah. On on a scale of one to ten, right? So if he had a a a, a black person who was like qualified to be a pastor and they rated out at a six right and a, a white person who rated out at a seven he would rather that black person yeah because notice notice the white person is more qualified right. <laughs> but this idea that he's bought into is that a uh, privilege and white guilt is that well we need more black pastors because we whiteies have been doing it Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. we, we, we've been right. Christ, American Christianity has been dominated by white people. As if that's relevant. Right. So, man, that gets really to me, man, as, as a black man, I, I, I was I was I was very. Oh, man, I, that, that angered me. Yeah. In, in, in a couple of ways. And I had a friend point this out when he said, you mean to tell me in Matt Chandler's big church he can't find someone better than a black a, a six that's black like man come on man like and, and this guy's staff is all white mm -hmm. so it's like you're not you that means you can't even find a black six in your congregation mm -hmm. which is like man bro like what y'all doing over there in uh you know flower mound man right like, right <laughs> well y'all raising up these black people you know but <laughs> but on another practical level, it's like you would rather a person more unqualified, which is very problematic for the for the church um, congregation. It's very problematic because we should want the most qualified pastor for the church. Notice when when Paul was pointing pastors, it had nothing to do with them being a Jew or Gentile. That's not a qualification. It's not something he looked at. That's right. You know, um, but rather. It was, hey, what, right? You read the pastoral epistles, man, none of this is found in, in Paul's writings. You know, when you examine first Timothy, second Timothy, Titus, uh, you know, the pastoral epistles, none of none of his ideologies. Man, you would think that would be found in that, right? That, you know, hey, we got a lot of Gentile dominant culture in the area and I'd rather a a Jewish six than a Gentile seven. Like, no, that's not there. It's it's missing. You know, and, and, and that and we know, brothers, that that was one of the most racial divides in human history. I would argue even more racially divided mm -hmm. um, because it, it, it lasted a lot longer and it was religious. And, and mm -hmm. that can be even uh, more fierce in, in, than, than the black and white divide. So, yeah, man, that I, I think that that Chandler example is so. Uh, I, I think I'm so glad you went there. Lance and I have had that conversation how many times, you know, yeah. just about that particular statement. Uh, but I think that we need to be reminded that this this uh, wokeism is not just out there in Twitterverse, right? right. Like it's not just in the academic uh, 
like in the higher elites of Harvard and Yale, like this is happening in conservative, even reformed Brother, uh, theological circles. It's, man. it's happening in our own backyard. And, and, and yeah. I say that as reformed, as a reformed Christian, as reformed Christians, it's happening with men. We've quoted, we've, we've respected, mm-hmm. we've listened to, we've, we've, um, supported their ministry. We we've given to their ministry. We've we've told people, hey, go watch this, check this out, right? You're not David. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. told people, go listen to these guys, right? Because we've respected the biblical insight that they were given into text. And so now it's it's kind of like, wow, man, they they flipped the script on us. Like, yeah, where was this 10 years ago? You know? clearly somebody's changed, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. clearly, clearly if you changed, like, I, I wish a lot of these guys would be honest. Uh, Cause you know, I, I hear this all the time from like the, like the Jamar Tisby's and the, I've always believed this. Then why weren't, why weren't you saying it six years ago when it wasn't as popular in the reform circles? Mm-hmm. This stuff was not popular in the reform circles six, seven years ago. That's why these guys weren't preaching this, you know, but when the culture shifted and it, it gave you an opportunity to express your, your doctors, maybe you did believe it, but you were silent about it. Right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, it's, it's happening in our own backyards, man. Well, and, and that's just, uh, again, just a sober reminder of why this conversation is so important. So, right. um, I, I'm sure there are, there, I'm sure there are many other names, many other examples that we can oh, yeah. run through. Um, let, let me, let me ask, let me ask this, uh, there, these guys who are making these statements, uh, some of these pastors who are who are have have gone this route, many of them are not standing up. Like you said, I wish they'd be honest. Many of them are not standing up and putting a flag in the ground saying, "Hey, I'm woke." Right? They're taking biblical passages and, and they're subtle. They're, they're they're slowly teaching it. Uh, you, you've even mentioned your experience, how you've seen this. Uh, could could you maybe take us to a couple of texts, or maybe what, what are a couple of texts where? Maybe yeah, this man. argument is, is seems to be made, or, or how can we wrestle through this from a, a, a from the ground floor of scripture? Yeah, man, I'm glad you asked that question. I have one prepared, man. Uh, so many times, so so before I even get to the one I have prepared, many times you will hear um, phraseology of woke theology assumed into text. So, mm-hmm. right, let justice fall down like waters. You'll hear that. Um, Love your neighbor, right? Uh, you'll hear you'll hear that. Not exegete it, right? But just quote it and assume an assumed meaning is like, hey, if you don't agree with this text, bro, you're not loving your neighbor. You know, it's it, you know, you, you don't really care about justice if you're not concerned with ideas like reparations or um, you know, police brutality, you know, or you know, whatever the mantra or, or subject being brought up, but. You know, since I just brought up reparations, I want to uh, Luke 19, man. I think that's a uh, popular text brought out by a, a lot of uh, woke theologians. Uh, many people know about this text. Um, it's it's with the man Zac- Zacchaeus. Um, so if you guys don't mind me reading, man, I'll just go through and yeah. kind of give their breakdown and then um, kind of critique it afterwards. But um So, right, verse one, he entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not 
because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked, looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Um, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, came down, received him joyfully. When he when they saw it, they all grumbled. And he has gone. They saw it and grumbled. He he has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. But and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone and of anything, I restored fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that is lost. Right. So this is a, a popular text they love to use. See, see Zacchaeus, he was a rich man, probably was a white man. Not just kidding. I don't know if they would say that, but, <laughs> but uh, right, he was a rich man who defrauded people. Right. So America has defrauded black people in America. And if they want to do justice like Zacchaeus, what they need to do is pay that back fourfold like Zacchaeus. You want to do justice? You want to love your neighbor? Be like Zacchaeus. Do this. Now, if you notice what I did when I did that, notice notice the subtlety, man. And man, I tweeted this out yesterday, man. The difference between heresy can be as small as homoousius and homoousius. Yeah, it's that's right. it's it's very subtle, you know. So they switch it when it comes to Zacchaeus to America. Now, America being this kind of representation of white people. But notice, but notice what the text says. Notice how personal Zacchaeus sin is, right? Look look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus, right? That's personal. It's him. <laughs> him doing this stood and said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, look here, I restore it fourfold. Man, this is the impersonal act of reparations that um, that many people want to import right from America, from the from the foundation to um, to now, because, brother, what did you guys have to do? As 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 white people in America, right, uh, with slavery hundreds of years ago, nothing, nothing. And if we're going to follow the example of the text, it has to be personal, right? If you were to steal from me, I would argue that you should not only pay for, you know, let's say you stole my TV, not only should you pay for the t TV, but there there is a fourfold that needs to pay for just for the loss itself just for the hurt just for the you know um damage done uh, i i believe that is a biblical principle and what what i see is they conflate restitution and reparations and they'll interchangeably use them as if they're the same thing so so like i said we're, we've been talking about definitions this this time we, we we man we have to be Bereans when listening to pastors even your favorite pastor because they're not exempt from twisting the text up right <laughs> you know when you're listening to this podcast now i'm not exempt right if what i'm saying is not aligned with the text then i'm wrong you know and but we have to we have to be more studious man we have to be Bereans when it comes to the word of god and and not be deceived and tricked 
whether these men are purposeful or intentional, I, I, I'm not really concerned on that. Um, but it's not what the text is saying, you know, and, and, and man, we have to be well trained. Um, take time to slow it down verse by verse, word by word to say, is this really what the text is saying? And so, yeah, man, hope that was helpful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So l- l- I got a I got a follow up question for you. Yeah, I'm I'm tracking with you there. Uh, by the way, I have uh, heard n- maybe not a ton, but I have heard that passage referenced before. But seeing you just say like, look at just a personal pronoun, like that's very clear to me. Uh, the subtlety of tossing America in. Uh, but let's just I'm just gonna play devil's advocate. I'm just gonna ask this question. So if I'm reading this, if I'm listening to a pastor and he says, see, America is guilty. Uh, what if he uses a proof text of the Old Testament? Uh, I'm thinking there's there's a couple of times when we see uh, individuals who become uh, declared guilty because of somebody else's sin. So like Achan sins and multiple people um, have to face the punishment of that. Or, or like Daniel, uh, a famous passage, Daniel 9. Daniel prays for the people of Israel on their behalf as if to say, Daniel didn't do those things. Daniel was a good man. He was faithful. And yet he's still interceding for the nation. He's saying, you know, we have done these things. So how do we, the concept of of corporate guilt is present in scripture, but how do we distinguish, uh, you've already answered this to a degree, but how do we distinguish and say, well, corporate guilt is, is different uh, between Israel and America. And this was where I think you were going earlier and I cut you yeah. off. Yeah. So this is this is actually why I brought up the Deuteronomy 29 text, because if you want to Im, in, import some kind of corporate guilt, even hundreds of years ago um, to now. To be biblical, like I said, it would involve all America. So guess what? Black people need to be repenting for racism and slavery, too. Right. Because it was a, it was an American sin, not just a, a white sin. Um so yeah, that's 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 what it that's what it, I would I would say to that. But um, like I said, like I was getting into, America is is not in a covenant with God. It, it is not a theocracy. It it, it does not have um, covenantal curses and and blessings, so to speak. Um, you know, and so I, I'm I'm not one for taking taking um, passages like that and saying, hey, well, um, you know. As, as a, like it's a one-to-one corollary with Israel and America. Um, the, the, I find it funny that you know a lot of the woke people want to claim that you know um, white people, Republicans are, are nationalists, and then they turn around and use texts like this, you know, to to kind of have this covenantal <laughs> corollary between Israel and, and America. Uh, America is not is not a typological Israel. It is not Israel, you know. We we are not in the promised land. We're not on the journey to the promised land in America, um, and so those those are the the kind of problems I would see um, with trying to make that corollary. Like like I said, man. Like I said, a lot of the things they'll say are true, man. Um, man, I, I I I though I've never committed the sin of abortion, I I weep and, and repent for the abortion that is done in the land today. Not not because I've done it, but because it is a a great travesty in this generation, you know. Um, now, if if it was something that was not being done today, you know, primarily uh, nationally, but it was being done generations ago, I would not re- be repenting for that, 
you know and so they 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 confuse that they confuse this idea i believe of you know in in this generation you know i i think that is huge when when dealing with uh you know corporate guilt and sin yeah kata man it, and it seems that proper hermeneutics have completely gone by the wayside yeah uh, in, in this discussion right. um and, and really any element related to wokeism but even specifically here with with corporate guilt because you've you've mentioned a couple times now tj as well about the nation of israel being a covenant people and how that doesn't correlate to you know 21st century america right. there there are times in scripture where it, the, the the narrative is descriptive it's not prescriptive right or it's just narrative and it's not normative so mm-hmm. trying to overlap these situations that we see with the covenant people through representatives um and even other portions of the old testament speaking of prophets priests and kings we're, we're talking you know categorically this isn't even the same issue right um but faulty horrendous terrible um biased hermeneutics have now tried to make that correlation which is man I've, I've, horrendous. I've found that man if you want something to be true theologically you can find any kind of passage to attempt right to to find a a place for your theology right um so right like i mean you can take any kind of heretical movement any kind of false doctrine movement and and they have their proof texts um, so the proof text isn't the issue. It's it's kind of what we're dealing with right now. It's it's the hermeneutic. It's the it's the um, exegesis that's going to demonstrate that. Wait, that, that's not saying what you're claiming it's saying. You know. So man, when when every whenever someone is um, listening to to something, man, they 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 need to have their Bible out. I ho- I hope <laughs> you know your listeners are, are listening, man, and and if they're in their home. They, they have their Bible out, man, and, and, and examining what I have to say, man, I, I'm not God. I'm not authoritative. The only the only way my my voice has any kind of authority, if I'm saying what the passage means, what it says, you know, um, and so Chris on his own merit doesn't have any authority, but we are only authoritative when we are speaking what thus said the Lord said. Amen. I have one more, one more kind of follow up in this corporate guilt conversation, and then I know that we need to talk about a couple of other components here. But uh, I just preached a sermon just yesterday about uh, the concept of original sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chris, you and I remember had a Twitter exchange like a year and a half ago. I still remember uh, with uh, the Jude Three Project and uh, some of the things that were said there, and. I think this even came up in our last conversation, but you made the, the, the point that to, that to call racism or slavery America's original sin uh, essentially creates multiple federal heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, you, could you develop that for us thinking about uh, just in the context of corporate guilt? So we yeah. are, as humanity, we're, we're guilty of Adam's sin, but how, how am I not guilty of George Washington sin or whoever else, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, this is what I actually think is actually, if you want to make, right. So the original sin ultimately has to do with our first federal head, right? Adam. Right. Um, And if you want to make America a new Adam, I think you've actually, man, you've done mishmash with the text because on one hand, you, 
they'll, these a lot of the woke Christians will actually say that um, these people, you, you know, you're even though you're guilty of racism, you're still a Christian. So the new Adam has redeemed you, yet you're in this, I don't know, uh, middle ground Adam, this this third Adam, this w what is this Adam? You know, <laughs> you're you're in these two federal heads which are contradictory to one another. And man, I'm not good at creating terms, but man, I created a term which what I think correctly identifies what is going on here. And I, I, I tweeted this a while ago. It says, many today suffer from what I'm labeling an ideological comorbidity. Now, that is the embracing of one or more ideology that is damaging and contradicting to their primary ideology, right? So, you know, what I believe woke, woke um, theology is, you know, a lot of the men, they want to stick, because uh, a lot of these guys are formerly reformed. So they know they got to go to, they know they got to go to the authority of scripture, right? But they're also hanging on to so secular sociology, books like White Fragility, um, men like James Cone, um, all these things that are are being stuffed into their primary ideology, and man, it's it, it, it's it's damaging to the to the one they claim they love the most. And so, um, th man, this is what I think they're suffering through. Um, like I said, this ideological comor comorbidity, which is, man, it's it's just they have they they have two ideologies they're embracing, embracing, and I, I'd have to say just just even just trying to be gracious. I don't think they see how contradictory it is to one another because you cannot be in two atoms at the same time. <laughs> you know, right? We 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 have been redeemed by the the last. It's the, it's the last atom for a reason. <laughs> there is not another to come. So how can you say America is an original sin in which white people kind of stand in this this federal head of, you know? And as like I said, I think we've already talked about how how um um contradictory that is even to the idea of a federal headship given Deuteronomy 29 but it's even contradictory to what the Bible says speaks about with with the last Adam you know we've been redeemed um there's no guilt that remains for us you know um you know so yeah that's that's kind of interesting yeah well that that's actually K-Dub kind of segueing into uh the, the next component of the discussion uh next component of this episode, uh, just in terms of the gospel. So you're, you're talking about original sin. You're talking about Adam. You're talking about federal head. You're talking about the second Adam, the new Adam, all of these different nuances that ultimately make up the gospel. So I, I'd like for you to speak on corporate guilt in relationship to the gospel uh, as far as negative terms are concerned. So how, how, how does right. corporate guilt affect the gospel? How, how does it affect the gospel presentation? Man, it's, it's, it's like I've said, um, it, it really gets into the idea of how can I be in two atoms at the same time? Um, another thing I think it gets in, involved to is, we, like I said, we've been talking about redefinition of, of, of terms. Sin in woke ideology when it comes to, especially when it comes to racism, it's no longer personal. We, like we said, we talked about that with Zacchaeus. It's no longer personal. But if sin is no longer personal or can no longer be personal, then 
that means the definition of repentance has to somewhat change to where I'm mm-hmm. not actually repenting for things I've done. And if Jesus and and how can Jesus pay for impersonal sins? You know, I, I think that gets That's into good. an aspect too of man, Jesus died for sins I've committed. Um and like I I've shared this a lot that man, I have a you know, if, if you're anything like me, man, I have enough sin that I need to repent for. Don't don't add more to the table. Like <laughs> the Lord is sanctifying me, you know, and um don't add more to my plate, you know. And, and that's and man, that's when it what practically gets to a a burden, I, I believe, for white people who have bought into this. I couldn't imagine walking around being guilty, one, for something I didn't do. And two, for something I can't even change, right? Because this idea of white guilt is perpetual, man. You will always be guilty for it. There is no solution to white guilt. I mean, the only the only thing that can make it better in the eyes of the woke is partnering with them, with with uh, being a a active voice, um, and showing showing you know trying to uh, I guess become less privileged, but you always be privileged. Um, and so there. In their eyes. Um, so there's nothing you can actually do. You know, I can do something about, you know, my drunkenness. I can do something about lying. I, I can rid that off. I can rid it off by the deeds uh, of, you know, the wicked deeds of the flesh, I, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. You talk, y'all, y'all getting a new mythology, right? The spirit is active <laughs> in working in the with the believer um, to give him the power. Right. One, he possesses the power to rid sin, rid this, rid this sin. Um, in his life. And two, um, you know, he, he's able to um, walk in that power uh, presently to rid the sins that he struggles with. And so, man, that's where I think it's like, man, we, we, we talk about, okay, theologically, but theologic, theology is practical as well. And what you believe theologically um, will show up practically. Um, and so, Man, I, I couldn't. I couldn't imagine walking around with this this deep burden. Man, it. Man, I, I just imagine it would cause a deep depression for 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 these white people, man. And so that's why I think it's it's uh, something that needs to be rejected in the church mm-hmm. for sure. You you said something that really stood out to me there when you were talking about corporate guilt. Now redefines repentance. It redefine and really it, it ultimately comes into a redefinition of the gospel because if I'm now guilty, I'm guilty collectively, and yet I'm supposed to repent individually. And there's an inconsistency there. And so um, so so let me let me ask this. You brought up this question of or, or this example of abortion, right? So like. I live in 21st century America. I'm a white guy. I am not responsible for the generations of slavery that happened. Uh, but there's 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 actively in our country there. We had this conversation with Samuel Say. I know you've spoken with Samuel as well. Like like th- this is a real issue in our country. Right. So am I guilty as an American? Am I guilty of the sin of this country in terms of? the number of abortions that have been committed. How do we think about that nuance, uh, maybe outside of woke theology, but just generally corporate guilt? Is that yeah. is that something we'd be guilty of? So I would say in one sense, um, because America, man, is rampant with the amount of babies, um, and I use I say we because right, it's happening here, um, that we've killed Right. None of us. Right. None of us is going out killing these babies, but it's happening in this land. And so America 
is guilty of the sin of abortion, though individuals have not participated in this uh, sin, right? It is a present evil atrocity in this generation. And so that that would be the idea of corporate guilt. Um, like I said, you know, going back to the biblical framework, uh, idolatry was rampant in Israel. And so Israel was was um, co corporately guilty of, of idolatry, though there were many participants who were who had not uh, actively um, worshipped false gods. Um, and so I would say, but it was it was in that present generation, um, not. Right. So, so you're saying what you're saying is there's not a generational guilt that is imputed or reckoned to, right, to this generation. generation. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I'm okay. saying. Um, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> slavery isn't imputed to the, all the generations down. And, 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 and so like it, it gets into difficulties is like, when does it stop? Like, when does this, so a, a fort, so it seems like the argument is it, it never stops. And, and the question is, another question you can get into, why did transatlantic slavery become the new Adam when there were slaveries that existed, you know, <laughs> and, up, you know, long before uh, transatlantic slavery, you know, dealing with uh, primarily African-Americans? Although, see, that's the thing that's not even fair and can fair there are there are white people who were enslaved here in america um there are black people who had slaves in america and so it's, it's not even being consistent with history um and so that's that's why i don't think it's fair man um when when dealing with a lot of this subject um it's already you're impugning guilt already um upon you know looking upon white people as if you know that their grandfathers great great grandfathers had slaves you don't know that, you know, um, it, it, being a slave master wasn't like every white person had slaves. That's it's like it was the riches of the rich. It was like it, it wasn't like a common thing for everyone to have slaves. It was I mean, like I said, that's a whole nother story there. But um, it, but even if it was the case, it still would not be true, you know. So, yeah, yeah you've touched on you know, they're, they're not really being an end game to all of this. And I think we said the, the, the same thing the last time we recorded, uh, part one, part one of wokeism, but let's say hypothetically, I say, okay, I am guilty for 19th century slavery. What, what is next? What right. is, what, what, what will the demand be next? Well, well from their perspective, I mean, nothing. I, I just partner with black people, uh, you know, promote black businesses, promote black preachers, promote black voices, promote black experience. It, see, it just really just becomes a, I don't even like the term reverse racism because there is no reverse racism. It's just racism. Like ain't no black racism, white racism. It's, man, you, you're being racist, you know? Um, I hate that it's almost become like, it's almost become that, you know, when you say racist, that is white racism. You know, it is, it's like default, you know? Um, I, I, I define that disturbing. But from from my perspective, the end game is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, man, brother, brothers, I, I know that's something that we glory in that, man, right? All our guilt is gone. All our stains is gone. Um, we are positionally justified, made right with the holy God, right? Um, so, man, I, I would hope. And, and and you don't really see that being taught by these guys that, that no more that it's it's all all when it comes to like guilt it's 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 so 
um, horizontally based. Um, they don't deal with the the vertical nature of of being positionally made right with God, but rather, and and I would argue that the vertical will reflect the horizontal. Right, me being made right with God will change brothers our relationship. Right, and I would argue it has. Right, since we have been justified by by grace through faith. Um, we who once had nothing in common, right, would have probably never hung out outside of, of Christ, right, has has made us right to where now we can get together and have great fellowship. <laughs> or as Jonathan Edwards said, sweet fellowship, you know. Um, so, man, that's that's what it's about, man. The gospel changes lives, but we can't put the cart before the horse, you know. We cannot put the cart before the horse, man. Gosh, I I, I love, I, I don't know that I had considered what you just said. And, and if you missed it, go back and listen. You 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 pointed out that the this woke conversation, especially when it comes to corporate guilt, is really focused on a guilt that is a horizontal guilt. It's focused on a guilt that me as a white person that I have not to a holy God. Right. It's not it's not dealing with a sin that I've I've affronted a holy God, but rather I have sinned against a, a group of people uh, corporately. And so it, it's misdefining the understanding of sin. It is pointing it more horizontally. It's you 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 brought it right back to the gospel, which then, as you said, uh, it completely changes the horizontal aspect in life. And that that was really really. Uh, I hadn't considered that. And I think that was really important for us to, to have that conversation. So let, let me ask one more question for you in this vein. Yeah. So how, how does, I'm thinking of an individual who continues to hear this message, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's from social media, maybe they just watch movies a lot and they're getting this subliminal messaging, whatever it is, they're continually told because they're white, they are guilty. They, they have this, and there's this constant beat down. Uh, what would you tell someone who, who's in Christ and who's trying to, to navigate, maybe has the best heart and the best intentions, right? They're, they're doing what they can, but they constantly feel this guilt. Uh, what would you tell them? What would you remind them of uh, to help them rid themselves of that guilt? Man, that, you know, we, we getting very practical, right? Um, well, first I remind them of, of their hope in Jesus Christ that he has, man, I, the him man says it all. He paid it all, all to him I owe, right? <laughs> like that's what it's all about. Jesus paid for all your sins, not not for some of them, not majority of them, not ninety nine percent of them even, but all of your sins has been has atoned for. Secondly, I would I would tell this person that um, I would I, I would really get to the aspect of stop buying into white guilt because. I think a lot of white people get caught up into this because they look historically at what has happened to black people and they feel bad. Right. And I think a lot of people are crafty in what they do to become to beguile white people who are um, maybe more emotional um, to 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 get them caught up. Look, it, man, it would be nothing for me to get up and get up on a stage right now, point to peep pictures of, of what has happened historically to black people in America and make a whole bunch of white people feel guilty and probably give me money. It, it would be easy to do. <laughs> um, but why should they feel guilty about that? Um, you, you can say, I, I would say this, we can be like, man, that's something we can learn from that. It never happens here again. 
Um, it's something I don't want to happen to to my to my black sisters, brothers in America. Um, but I didn't. I, I, there's, I didn't do it. I, I don't feel. I don't feel guilty for. Let's right. Let's take this to other sins. Though I can say, man, it it was it was it, it's sad. Um, you know, let's let's go back. You can go back to generations of, of people who got robbed. Man, it's sad that they got robbed. They lost everything. But I don't feel guilty for it. You know, no, no one should feel guilty for sins they haven't committed. Um, and so, so this white person, this white sister who's struggling with this idea, man, man there's no guilt to be to be uh, mustered up. There's no guilt. This is a f- matter of fact, it's false guilt because it's sin is what bring guilt. So if there's anything bring, bringing guilt upon your life, either you have committed this sin or it's not real guilt. And so white guilt is actually false guilt because there has no sin been committed that you feel guilty before for being white or for or for what past you know generations have done. That's not your sin. You know, um, and so, man, I would tell them, man, do not let people beguile you um, and believing false doctrines. I, I, I'll I'll go straight out and say that. Do not let anyone believe you or or cause you to believe um, anything that's false. Don't be guilty for it. Um, it's deceptive. It's it's um, crafty ideologies, as as the scripture talks about. But it's not the not the wisdom of Christ. It's not a philosophy based on Jesus Christ. Um, but I, I totally believe it's satanic. Um, and so don't fall for it, man. Don't fall for it. Man, that's so good. I, I like, Caleb, I like how you have consistently, um, you've taken us back to Scripture, and you've, I mean, you've explicitly said that Scripture has to be the driving force in this conversation, that if you let emotion, um, if you let... Um, tear-jerking responses motivate the way in which you see uh, the conversation that we've been dealing with, this corporate guilt, wokeism, all the nuances with that. If, if you're driven by emotion alone, then you're, you're losing the battle. You're yeah. losing the battle and will crash hard. Right, and, and, and I'm seeing a lot of people abandon precious truths that we hold to like reform theology based on the same argumentation. Right. So a lot of them and man, you can do this with any true doctrine in the Bible. You can find somebody who holds to an orthodox belief and and see how they didn't practice it rightly um, and say, well, there therefore it isn't truth. Right. Um, so a lot of people will get on to the point that uh some reformers had slaves, right? Um, but anyone want to point out how they were monotheists as well? Like, so you're going to abandon monotheism or you're going to abandon Trinitarianism because they had slaves? So so to me, it seems quite foolish to, to point, well, they were reformed. How come their reformed theology didn't lead them to abandon slaves? Well, they were monotheists as well. They were Trinitarians as well, you know? Like, what? name your theological... Uh, orthodox doctrine but a lot for some for some reason that that appeals to a lot of people well man we we can't believe in reformed theology if they had slaves well well guess what (laughs) like i don't care what someone did if that's what the text is saying you know like if the text is saying god is sovereign right you you know total depravity unconditional then i'm gonna believe it you know um so 
so yeah, man. Um, I I, I just think like man, we're, we're talking about the experience, emotion, man. It's very captivating in our postmodern world, man. Even against even for Christians, like man, it, we have to be settled on the Word of God to where man, I, I I'm not I'm not going anywhere. Because this is what the text said, man. Is it do we, man? It really gets to man. Do we really believe scripture overall, over man's wisdom, over philosophies? You know, do we really value the word of God more than anything? Um, so yeah, Peter, 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 man, he 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 valued the word of God more than experience, man. He said we have a we have a more sure word speaking from heaven, a a more sure word. Then heaven, then God Himself speaking. Like He's, no, we got the scriptures. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's fascinating. Like we we don't value the Word of God like that, man. And and that's the problem in this in this in this generation. We don't value the Word of God more than some experience, more than more than some ideology. Man, we, we need to get back to the Word, man. Hey, Lance, listening to this man talk like this, he, he just has an open invitation. All right? Just anytime he wants to hop on and just, and just let us have it, man. Like, oh, gosh, man. This has been such a good conversation. We could do this uh, for a long time. And in fact, I hope that we're able to come back and, and revisit these things down the road. So uh, if you're listening, maybe you've listened to part one, maybe now you're in part two. If you've got a little question, a little nuance, you're thinking, hey, how do I navigate this? Or I've seen this. Uh, send it our way because uh, down the road we hope to continue this conversation uh, with Chris whenever uh, we have the opportunity to do so. But it's time. It's that time of the episode uh, where we come to the end and we do uh, what we call the initiative, the informants initiative. So if this is the first time you've listened, uh, what we do is we kind of have one takeaway, maybe something that uh, a nugget from the episode uh, that, that stands out. And so, Chris, I'm going to let you think about that so you can go last, kind of cap us off. Uh, anything that maybe you didn't get a chance to say, this would be the time to say it. So I'll just say for my initiative today, listening to, to you talk and to us have this conversation, uh, I'm just reminded of that uh, very uh, pointed and powerful verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, mm -hmm. there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, and to think about that truth applied to the concept of corporate guilt uh, or white guilt uh, reminds me that no matter what the ideologues are saying, no matter what these pastors are saying, no matter what this woke theology is teaching us, I am not guilty because I am in Christ. And so the, the sin uh, that I have repented of is not the sin of someone else. It's my own sin. And God saved me from that own sin, uh, from my own sin. And because I'm in Christ, there is no guilt. There is no condemnation uh, because I'm, I'm represented. I have a new federal head and it's Christ Jesus himself. Amen. Yeah, man, TJ, I'll, man, I just want to stand on your shoulders uh, with your initiative Come there. Um, that the Jesus, you know, he went to the cross for individuals. You, you've said it before. When he went to the cross, he he took names, right? Mm. Um, and man, that that is, that is the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he died on the cross for my sins. And I can be reconciled to a holy God through that death and through his resurrection, man. And uh, I know on, on the one hand, that, that is really one of the most basic elements of the gospel. But on the other hand, man, I mean, we can plummet the depths of that gospel, you know, till the day that we die. And something as corporate guilt, faulty, 
horrible hermeneutics Hmm. um, and trying to emotionally drive people away from the gospel, uh, that stuff will never satisfy. Only the true gospel of Jesus Christ will. Man, brothers, I am so thankful for the gospel, which, you know, man, on, on that final day, being able to stand in that, you know, in, in that Revelation 5, you know, that, that John has where every nation, tongue, and tribe is there based on the work of Christ, you know. Um, man, I'm, man, like, man, he just said it, man. We can get lost in the depths of the gospel, man, just plummeting what Christ has done, man. And, man, we will we ever fully understand, I don't know, you know, what he has done, like the, the infinite work he has done on our behalf um man it's it's why it's why we can we can converse and have sweet fellowship based on the text not based on what anyone's ancestor has done but based on what christ has done um and and he's still interceding for us um that's the beauty of it right it's 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 the ongoing work he's doing in our lives and so man i i just want people to um rest assured and in, in, in the work of christ not in the work of your ancestor, not in, not in the work of, of, of you know, petrol um, penance you have to do for woke, woke, wokeism, man. No, man. Abandon that thought. Come to Christ, man. Rest in that freedom, you know. Hey, praise God for that. Man, Chris, we appreciate you, man. Uh, every, time, every time we chat, every time I see your your material online i'm always encouraged we we want to thank you again for hopping on and talking tonight man what a, what a blessing it was for me man i enjoyed it thank you guys for having me hey thank you and listen if you're if you're new to the podcast you're not doing so already we want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast on itunes and uh, you can also subscribe to our youtube channel if you'd like us on facebook at reformed informants you can follow us on instagram and twitter at our underscore informants and you can find links to all of our social media platforms all of our previous episodes and any uh, Reformed Informants gear, you can find that all on our website. And that's at www.themagistiesmen.com slash Reformed Informants. Yeah, if you have any questions or suggestions for topics of discussion, feel free to email us at reformedinformants at gmail.com.